Welcome to Turning Purple, where we take an in-depth look at life as an independent artist. The good, the bad, and the kiki carry of it all. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Uh, hi. Welcome to Turning Purple. Welcome to Turning Purple. I'm Adam Joseph. And I'm Erica Tor Aviance. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Did you like our song? Our song was cute, right? song. We're both singing on that. Yeah, it's like Quiet Storm. The Quiet Storm. The Quiet Storm. So what's this about? (laughs) (laughs) What's this about? Why am I who I am and and all that? I do want you to tell you me who you are. I also want to know, like, what is it about, Adam? What Joseph? is turning purple? What's me? turning purple? It's like weird and stuff. Well, we're some blue gals turning it in a red state. I don't know if you know this, but we recently moved from Los, Los Angeles. Angeles to Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, you know, Arizona is a decidedly red state. Um, but I think our story is similar to a lot of other people's stories right now in that people are moving away from the coasts, right? Yes, we used to live in New York City. We did for um, eons. We relocated to (laughs) um, Los Angeles, Uh and then now we're here. Now we're in Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of this is like, this is kind of a trend. So we kind of landed on turning purple because uh, a lot of places are turning purple. The red and the blue are mi- intermingling. They're mixing in an artistic fashion. And purple just happens to be my favorite color. Is it? Yeah. Purple's your favorite color? Why did I not know that? It is. You think I... Oh, that's terrible. I should know that. <laughs> <laughs> I know what your favorite color is. What is it? Gray. Oh, yeah, I do like... (laughs) I mean, I wear mostly black. Anyway, yeah, I wear a lot of gray. But also, like, what else is we doing? What else are we doing here? Tell the people what else we're doing here. We're trying to create a dialogue around life as an independent artist, right? That's That was the other impetus for this whole endeavor. We want to talk about our journey as artists um, and other people's journeys and... um, what it means to be an artist and um, especially independent artists who might not be the most independent artists for sure. The most popular um, kids at school, but you know, they're still doing their thing. Yeah. And I think for me, um, there's a lot of, uh, I'm kind of sick of this narrative (laughs) <laughs> this mm-hmm. like I just feel like I see this say on a lot of interview shows and like just in general this same narrative it's just like seems like it's everywhere of like I knew exactly what I wanted to do when I was one minute old mm-hmm. and I hustled and I grind 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 and then my dreams came true and now I'm rich right and it's just like it seems pervasive doesn't it I mean I feel like I see that everywhere it and seems it's, like the people you know monetary success you know is equivalent to artistic success which is not the case it's not the case and um but i think and along with that like you're kind of expected to even if you're not you kind of internalize that i know that i have you internalize that um fake it till you make it mentality fake it till you make it yeah we're like and i think that's very toxic and dangerous i think that there's a lot to be said for like 
going through your own journey. And I think that there's like this pressure. I know that I've internalized mm-hmm. it of maintaining a, like a facade, a facade of success. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what, um, a big part of this, uh, con- the concept for this podcast was about us moving to Phoenix and, you know, we got a lot of, um, when we told people we were moving to Phoenix, we got a lot of why <laughs> are you serious like what are you are you insane? are you okay are you okay have you lost your marbles like, completely oh okay so um i think there's a there's a lot there's a lot of meat there and i think that this topic can speak to a lot of people i mean we'll see i hope so um but i'm and i'm really interested in actually i'm also really interested in being very like honest and open yes. and we're about gonna, we're gonna get real we're gonna get real about not just the good shit you know like about struggles yeah. with all kinds of stuff yeah. struggles with money struggles with mental health uh stuff that's real stuff Start, that i want to hear about struggles that, with you know our artistic creation yeah and and um, like legitimate like real like uh the bones of things as well, like mm-hmm. stuff that's uh, pragmatic, things yeah. like uh, how to do, like yeah. how to make money. Right, stuff exactly. Stuff like that. Um, yeah, we're just giving you a, a kind of an overview. Okay, this, is the, this is the overview of what the we're going to be. The, of what this whole thing is going to be about. Yeah. But I think both of us are had this idea, and I think it can speak to a lot of people, and we're both super excited about it. Yes, but are. I think first off... Uh, to keep like we need to talk about where we came from, like who we are as people. And if you know who we are and you followed us, then you might know some of this stuff already. Don't you know who I think I am? Don't you know who I think I am? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, we're gonna a lot of a people don't. Recap. We're gonna give you a little recap, and I think uh, we should start at the beginning because the beginning is a very, very good, good place, place to start. start. You want to go? Or you want me to go? Um, (laughs) why don't you start where do you want to start do you want to start like childhood or do you want to start from moving to new york it was a cold (laughs) wintry january night um uh, well i'm adam joseph i uh am from cincinnati ohio originally Mm -hmm. and i was always into singing and performing from a very young age my mom was um she played piano and sang she's she's not a professional artist she's a she is a doctor but she was very musical and um my whole family my brother and sister both sang they were both in the arts Mm -hmm. and so i kind of um I kind of had a, a open door for me to jump into performing from a very young age. And I started going to a performing arts like based school in third grade. Actually. Third grade? Yeah. Um, when Shit. I was eight or nine. Girl. And um, she hit the ground running. Yeah. And so we did, we did <laughs> dance, we did theater, we did singing, we did art, we did everything. And then, uh, and then I went to, uh, I started at School for Creative and Performing Arts in Cincinnati, Ohio in fourth grade. Um, and there, I, it's basically like 
you know, you've heard of fame. It's like a, it's like a mini after, fame. It's like a mini it's fame. Like, it's school. modeled after that type of, you know, school, the performing arts school. But for much younger people. No, no, no. It actually goes from fourth grade to 12th grade. Oh, girl. So, yeah. I mean, and I there's, that. you know, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's not a huge <laughs> school. There's about a hundred to 200 kids in each class. So, um, it's, uh, but it's a, it's a, it's a really, it was a really great school. It was, um, you know, I learned, I learned a lot, a lot there. Just, just, you know, we, you study vocal, I studied vocal music. I studied drama. I studied musical theater. I studied dance like ballet and tap and jazz mm-hmm. um and and you know it's like the classes are interspersed with your academic classes so you're just kind of like going from art classes to regular classes and um they do like huge productions and the productions would be like at like a real theater, not like at the school. They would like rent out the real theater and like nor- like people that didn't even know anybody from the school would come to the shows because they were like really good. You know oh, what I mean? girl. Yeah. That's really fab. Yeah. It was great. I Jelly. loved school. I loved school. And I, and I was so surprised to hear people that didn't enjoy high school. Mm-hmm. Didn't you enjoy, had a very, yeah. Yeah. You talked and, about this before. Yeah. You had a you had a very atypical experience. Yeah. I loved from, it. Uh, grade school and in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, I always I always loved my school and and I had you know I wanted to go back I was like oh god and when I got out I was like I want to go back I don't so that was pretty much your entire adolescence through yeah through high school was yeah, that was that um, I yeah I st- I started doing I started performing professionally when I was oh yeah you were um, a, you were a child star I when I was <laughs> in like fourth grade fifth grade. I started doing commercials, voiceovers. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would yeah. get pulled out of school to go record commercials. And then in the sixth grade, I actually went on a national tour for nine months. So I was out of school for half, for almost the entire year. And I was on tour with uh, like the show Oliver. And we um, toured around the country in a bus and did, you know, one night stand gigs like Shit. all over the country. Wow. And, um, and, then, yeah, I was always kind of doing like sh- professional shows on the side outside of school, mm-hmm. and um, and then in high school, I um, I was I was always studying private voice lessons from fourth grade. Like I was very into singing. I started. So into singing. I started right writing. <laughs> started <laughs> writing music. Um, Actually, the funny thing was I, I, my mom moved to the Grand Cayman Islands when I was in my junior year of high school uh-huh. and I went with her and, um, went to this like Christian school that had like eight kids in the class. It was this tiny, tiny little new school. They were brand new. So they didn't even have a senior class yet. Uh-huh. They only had a, the junior class was the highest class that they had. There was me and seven other girls. Oh shit! And uh, it was not seven. Do you notice how she said seven, seven other, other girls? girls. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> seven other girls. There's not including no gender me, in this room, darling. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so actually, I started writing music. That's when I started writing music because I didn't have my outlet of performing. I was like constantly when I was in Cincinnati. I was constantly doing shows and super busy doing 
uh, stuff at school after school, uh-huh. and and then I moved there, and it's like, what am I supposed to do? I didn't, you know, I didn't have my friend group that I was used to having, and I didn't have any of the artistic outlet that I was so used to having. Uh-huh. And so I started just sitting in my room and like writing raps, actually. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. She was a rap I was writer. Really, I was really into R and B and hip hop. Oh well, yeah, I knew that. You, know, you still you know, are. Yeah, I still am, and. um so I started writing raps originally, and then I started writing songs. I think I actually started writing songs after I went back. There was a talent show in my senior year of high school, and I, I wrote my first song to perform in the talent show. What was the song? It was a song called Take Me. Uh-huh. And, um, Have I ever heard it? Probably not. Oh, girl. Give and, me a little bit of Give me a taste. Um, this is exciting. Oh, God. You have to. You, like, rent, you brought it up me, now. Love me just as I am. Fill me with your love and answer my prayer. So, like, of course, somehow subconsciously I'm still talking about getting filled with someone's love. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, that was, yeah, so that was kind of how I started writing music. And then I ended up, when college came around, uh I ended up originally auditioning for a lot of musical theater programs Uh because I was... I had been doing musical theater and I liked it and and I thought, you know, I had a lot of friends that were doing the same thing, trying uh-huh. to get into musical theater programs. And I actually auditioned for all the top musical theater programs like Carnegie Mellon and you uh-huh. and Syracuse and all these things. And I didn't get in any of them. Oh. I got into Indiana University's program. Um but I also auditioned for no 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 I didn't audition for Berkeley because you don't have to audition for Berkeley you just have to apply mm-hmm. and I got accepted to Berkeley and thank God because I was really not I really I came to realize that I really was not that interested in musical theater uh-huh. I was more interested in singing of course and writing songs I just hadn't really explored the whole recording artist avenue at that point because that's not really you know when i graduated from high school not everyone had an option to release music and get on you know there was no social media there was none of that Mm -hmm. so you know being a recording artist was kind of like something that you had to pursue something you had to pursue and something that was not really even like i guess people say i want to be a rock star when i when i grew up whatever i mean i never really thought about that i Mm -hmm. just had always been a singer and I was like, well, let me just, you know, um, explore singing and performing uh-huh. more in that way. And I like to, I'm kind of a control freak and I like to do everything myself. Of course. So, so it worked <laughs> out. Know. It worked out for me <laughs> to get into songwriting, producing, um, performing. And then after I, um, left Berkeley, I moved to New York City, which mm-hmm. is was kind of my ultimate goal. Yes, because I had gone to New York City many times as as a child with, uh-huh. my, with my family on vacation, see Broadway shows and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And I had always like wanted to live in New York City. Work well. Let's <laughs> ba- let's bounce it back and forth here. So yeah. I'm gonna go to like let's take it back to Erica Tour's childhood. Baby tour, <laughs> baby tour. Well, I'm from. Uh, a town called Portsmouth in New Hampshire. And uh, I, my, like, singing was, it's on both sides of my family. My mother um, 
she and my aunts and my grandmother used to do um, like yodeling and folk music. Mm-hmm. And they had like a, their own group and they would tour around to folk festivals mm-hmm. and yodel. And my grandmother would play her auto harp and my mom would play her guitar. Amazing. Yeah. Isn't it great? Um, and she still does. Like my mom just recently, I told like, I was on mm-hmm. the phone with her today and she told me that she made another album and she does. Dropping she read, another dropping album. Dropping another album. Lucinda Gale. Boop, boop. Yes, Lucinda. Lucinda That's a good Gale, name. Right? That's her actual name. Wow. It's Gail Lucinda, but she switched it up. Ah. Anyways, um, and my, my, my father could sing. Um, my sister, Monica, m- on my father's side, my family history is very convoluted. Maybe we'll get into, into that <laughs> That's later. A That's a whole other fucking thing. Series. It's a whole other fucking thing. Maybe we'll get into it when we talk about, uh, maybe on our mental health episode. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> my family more anyway i'm still trying to figure out your like it's deep it's very deep and complicated yeah but anyway they're both so both sides musicality came from both sides i started singing um very young i was like a boy soprano Mm -hmm. and uh but just in public school like in choir i went to church but there wasn't a we didn't really have a choir at church Mm -hmm. i was an altar boy uh, never touched, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, so you were the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, bump. <laughs> yes. Uh, abuse is not funny. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, there was I was not in like any sort of choir like in church, but I was in public school choirs, and I remember. The the moment when I discovered that singing was something like you have to this is like a formative moment for me. I when I discovered that singing was something that you had to like work at, I had a really great well, at the time I didn't think she was great. I thought she was real, real mean. And uh and I didn't actually like going to her class. But there was an opportunity came around where National uh, Boys Choir, um, the American the American Boys Choir mm-hmm. came to town and was doing some shows at the Portsmouth Music Hall and invited children from the local schools to sing with them but something that you had to audition for um well not you didn't have to audition for it but you had to audition for your own uh choir teacher at your school right. and the choir okay. teacher could only pick like two people mm. from each school mm-hmm. so me and this other kid got picked mm-hmm. and she fucking drilled us we were young this was i was in like maybe third grade uh and she drilled us every day after school for like months. We were working on this music, and this was—it's uh, ingrained in like my memory. Like this was the first time that I had a concept that like arts was something that you had to work at. Mm-hmm. Like I'd always just like been around. So it, it happened pretty early. And I'll, I mean, that's definitely one of my one of the standout memories of that time in my life. I continued singing, um, but only like choirs. Um, in my school, I did like madrigal singers. I did like after school activities mm-hmm. that involved singing. It was like madrigal singers and all that kind of stuff. And then in high school, um, I did my first musical theater production, which was um, what was my first thing that I was in in high school? I did um, what was it? It was Oliver. Oh my oh, god, it was totally yeah. Oliver. I did Oliver like three times. It was like. I had that thing. I had no featured roles. I was like some. I was in the chorus. Yeah. No, I wasn't Oliver every time, but I did the the production of Oliver. Once with my school, once on the tour, and then 
the summer after that at like a summer stock theater when I was finally got to be Oliver. Mm, working out. Yeah. I was nowhere near being Oliver. Anyway, <laughs> I was way too old, number one, because it was in fucking high school. But that was the first thing that he did, and that kind of got me into, um, and there is where I met the person who owned the studio that I ended up dancing at in high school. Mm-hmm. She choreographed for the high school. She owned a, her own dance studio. Um, and she, from then on, tried very, 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 diff- like, was very much... Uh, very persuasive about getting me to come and dance for her because mm-hmm. they always need boys. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, I started, I kind of stopped, I still did choir, but I didn't do any more, I could, didn't have time for like musical theater productions mm-hmm. because I was in dance class. Once I started, and I, I was there on scholarship, so she got as much out of me as she could, I was there from 3 p.m. until 10 p.m. every day. Mm. Just dance class after class after class after class. What kind of classes have you had? (laughs) (laughs) Ballet classes, jazz classes, tap classes, stretch classes. Do it. Show's called Goddess, not Classes. Yes. Hit it. (laughs) Oh, God. So um, that's when I started dancing. I mean, and, and I started doing it really all the time. And I had a kind of a natural... I'd always been flexible and, like, danced around. But... um. Through musical theater, I discovered that I could actually like learn steps and had capacity for dancing. Mm-hmm. And then I started dancing all the time. Mm-hmm. It became like what I did. Um, and that's what got me into college. Mm. Uh, otherwise, I mean, I had an, an okay GPA only because I got straight A pluses in English throughout mm-hmm. my entire high school career, which allowed me to fail some other classes, a few other classes, oh, wow. and maintain a a B average mm. because of all the A pluses that I had in English throughout mm. my entire high school career. So, um, <laughs> but I don't think I would have gotten into, I definitely wouldn't have gotten all the way to New York city if I hadn't been dancing because I auditioned for, I auditioned for about like you, a bunch, I auditioned for a bunch of things. I got into all the ones that I auditioned for. Mm. I got into, where did, where did I audition? I auditioned for SUNY purchase, which mm. I got into. I did, I auditioned for Boston conservatory. Um, mm-hmm. which I also got into. Uh, but I ended up going to NYU um, because it ended up being the cheapest because they had the most money to give. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, it's, it's, it seems crazy, but I got a scholarship and, uh, like, they had the most money to give, so it was the cheapest to go. So that's what got me to New York City. That was 1999. So when you you auditioned for all dance programs or all dance programs as well? All dance programs. Okay, so strictly dance. Strictly dance. Okay. Strictly Ballroom. Strictly Ballroom, darling. That's a great movie. So that's, yeah, well, that's what got me to New York City. Otherwise, I, I I don't know if I would have been able to get, I probably would have ended up going to a state school, and my life would have been mm. very, very different if mm-hmm. I didn't have dance. Dance got me to New York City. Mm-hmm. So you got to so you got to New York City a few years before mm-hmm. I did. Because I was in, I was up in Boston at Berkeley. Yeah. Um, but um, still, actually going down to New York City to do gigs here and there. I remember my first gig in New York City was with my friend Nasa at Spa, oh, which I you spa. used probably used to work there. Yeah. Uh huh. But not at the, not the same night because this was like more. Spa of a, was Thursdays. Yeah, because it was it was. Spa mixed. was a legendary right. New York City nightclub. Right. But we were there, there on like a, some <laughs> other day, and it was like more hip hop 
straight crowd. Oh yeah, definitely but not. We when performed, I was um, and uh, yeah, that was like my first experience performing performing in New York with like a band, and um, I was very young. I don't even think I was old enough to get into the club, honestly. Mm-hmm. But some, I guess I did somehow. Um. Anyway, so we're <laughs> both in what like I when I got to New York City, I knew that I wanted to be. It wanted to work in nightlife. It was like one of my dreams. I had mm-hmm. seen like club kids on. I've talked about this on podcasts with Johnny and on Hey Queen, mm-hmm. and I think our New York shenanigans are pretty well documented. Yeah. I will go into a couple of them, but not all of them. I mean, basically, I wanted to work in nightlife. I got to work in nightlife. Uh, did a lot of drugs. Uh, <laughs> did a lot of dancing. Did a lot of drinking. Um, did a lot of performing. A lot of the performing was with Johnny McGovern, the heavenly angel Johnny McGovern. The gay pimp. The gay pimp Johnny McGovern. Um, and uh, I did that for a lot of years. Yeah. And Johnny you, McGovern is the person that brought us together. Johnny McGovern is the, is the person. That's the reason that we met each other. Right. Exactly. Is Johnny McGovern. I met Johnny in like 2001. I think we talked about that on mm-hmm. Queen. Um, and uh, we like immediately hit it off and um i did i started doing shows with him like as a backup dancer and uh then eventually after like i met you and you came into the johnny mcgovern universe and started producing his music Uh uh-huh started producing his music and then we started a group together called team pimp team pimp where we were it was me you johnny linda james and Maxine Innes. May she rest. And, um, yeah, well, I feel like we've gotten ahead of ourselves. <laughs> when I moved to New York. Yeah, talk about when, when I you moved, moved to New York, I literally knew one person there. Oh, shit. And um, I was 20 years old. Yeah, and you didn't have the safety net of, like, a school. No. I just, I like just jumped right in. There. I just jumped right in. Ooh, I, I had just finished my. That. I had just finished recording my first album, um, "How I Seem to Be," and um, I was just working. I worked as a host at the restaurant Serendipity Three. That would, there's a movie about about it. Mm-hmm. The movie Serendipity. Yeah. Um, I was a host there and <laughs> a horrible host, right? I, no, I was actually a good host. <laughs> I was you? a bad waiter. Oh, yeah. okay. it was when I tried to become a waiter that it all went wrong. Um, very bad hand-eye coordination. So, you know, <laughs> I, just, I can't trying to get me to carry a tray. I no, it's not my thing. Um, but, uh, I actually got, and then I got fired from, I actually got fired from that job because I had a gig. Uh-huh. In in Toronto for Toronto Pride, and I told them a month in advance I'm gonna need this Saturday off because I have a gig and I'm gonna be flying to Toronto to play with my band. And they're like, "So?" <laughs> <laughs> they're like, "If you can't find somebody to cover your shift, don't think about coming back don't in." Come and I'm back. like, "Okay, well, <laughs> you know, they were very short staffed, and I couldn't find somebody to cover my shift, and so that was the end of that job." <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, I'm, I was like, um, I, it was a no brainer to me. I was like, I moved to New York city to become a recording artist, not to be yeah. a host at this stupid restaurant, mm-hmm. you know? So that's just the sacrifice that I had to make. You know, I was like, I can go get, find another job, whatever, you know? And, um, 
And but then fortunately I I met this guy, Tony Giuliano, who owned Excess. Yeah. And he had just opened this new bar, this new gay bar in Chelsea called Excess. And he was kind of looking for, you know, acts to have shows there. And so I ended up actually the first time I performed was with um <coughs> Cachetta. May she rest. Yeah. I, I was I did a little guest spot in Cachetta's show. Um Cachetta, legendary drag queen from New York City, magician slash drag queen. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And uh, I did a I did a little guest spot where I sang a couple songs and I was like very, very nervous because I was just like doing it to tracks all on my own. I'd never performed in a gay bar before. You know, it was like very like new to me. Mm-hmm. In in Boston, I was I was always performing with live bands. I was I was performing in straight venues. It was all music venues, you know. And then I kind of like got into this gay scene in New York, but I still didn't really know anyone, you mm-hmm. know. I think he actually saw me perform. I went to an open mic at at Posh and I just like sang and it was more like karaoke. It was like just get up and sing your song open mic, you know. Mm-hmm. Talent competition. Talent and I, and I competition. think I won. I think I won and the guy Tony saw me there and he's like, "Wow, you have a great voice. You know, you should come do something at my bar and I ended up from, from doing cash at a show and like from the audience response or whatever it was, he was like, you know, we should do something. We should do something. So I put a band together and he gave me my, my, he gave me a night there every one, every Tuesday. And I performed there every Tuesday for a year. And that's what really like made my, got my name out there in New York city as Adam Joseph was, having my own night at this club and we Mm -hmm. ended up really packing that place. And it was really something that was not going on. I remember that that. because we were doing, there was, there was, I didn't see a a lot of those shows, but I did catch them towards the end. You were doing, there was, I mean, we kind of built up our fan base and people would come every week and, um, it was a Tuesday night. So it was kind of, you know, a weird night, but, um, we really ended up like, turning it out in the end and um there was a lot of drag going on in new york city there was a lot of kind of like rock shows yeah there was there was still a lot of that live but there was nobody really doing what what i was doing which was like r&b um you know we did a lot of r&b covers we did my original music Mm -hmm. i had two background singers i had a live band um and so, you know, I kind of just, we kind of just did it. You know, I just kind of made it happen. I didn't know we were getting paid next to nothing. You know, I was, I think I was making, we were, I was making like $400 for every, like total for a live band, two background singers and me. So like a three piece band, maybe a four piece band. I don't even know. The background singers only got paid through the tips. Woo. So <laughs> the tips were hopefully good. <laughs> were the days so you know but we did it every week we brought all that equipment there every week and did that gig in new york city stuff it in a cab and just ride on up there and uh yeah we did that for a solid year and then i moved on to doing xl which is like a bigger club that also had live shows weekly Mm -hmm. and that they would give me like a month where i would do like four shows 
I would do all the Sundays in, in the month. And then they would like give it to somebody else for a month and somebody else for a month. But I was into rotation mm-hmm. and, um, they paid a lot better and there was a bigger crowd. Um, but, uh, you know, I really, I loved excess. That was like, that was really where I, you know, found, I think I kind of found my, my confidence, found myself as a performer and, um, really kind of, uh, beefed up my chops for dealing with bands and everything. That was, that was very essential in, in my formation. Mm -hmm. And then I just got into all this like crazy stuff with Johnny and we started touring and we started putting out records and we started making music videos Uh and started having stuff on logo. We had music videos on logo. We had the top video on logo for the whole year. And it was Uh just like, and then, you know, I did faggoty attention, which was like total departure from what I had originally been doing in my first album. And it was like gay electro pop. And that kind of was its own like underground you know, viral hit within itself. And, um, and yeah, so, I, and, and basically I stopped working as a host. Well, I, cause I, well, I started working as a, at another restaurant and then another restaurant, but only for the th- first two years I lived in New York was I working at restaurants. And then eventually I was like, I'm hardly making any money doing this anyway. I feel like I could just produce music and make at least this much money. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? For sure. So, um, so I did that and I did somehow. <laughs> somehow. Somehow I did. Somehow you did. Um, I like Yeah. Um and you were you were basically a full-time drag queen at that point. I was working. I had Well, you did I have regular little jobs. Day. Too. I had a little I had a little cuz you have to have they they'll have to have so little you, jobs. You <laughs> um, yeah, little jobs. Uh, you work in New York City, you work or you starve. It's true. So yeah, I had um, little jobs, day jobs, odd jobs here and there. I worked for one. We called this one place the Nightlife Employment Agency. It was like uh, <laughs> everyone that I knew that worked in nightlife like worked day style during, and it was kind of okay to show up like hungover and mm. whatever. Um, it's wild times. This was wild times, girl. Wild times, but. Yeah, I had day jobs and I was working a night as a drag queen. I had stopped. Um, I had. Uh, I stopped dancing because auditioning was too much for me. And I had a. Were you auditioning for companies? I was auditioning for companies. I was also. I did a season with. Right out of college, I did a season with a ballet company in Connecticut. Um, like a regional ballet company, mm-hmm. and it was a horrible experience. It was completely demoralizing. Do you make a lot of money doing something no, like that? No, you make next to nothing. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was beaten down by it, demoralized, uh, to the point where I quit dancing. I wow. didn't want to be a dancer that anymore. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Doesn't it? Doesn't that sound great? I mean, that definitely... Um, I struggled with depression my whole life, and that definitely triggered that. So uh, after that, I um, after I quit dancing, right, you're like I'm not trying I'm like, to get I'm into not a trying dance to get into company. a dance company more. Right. I just was like I drag full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started working. I'd rather be a beautiful. I'd woman. rather be a beautiful woman. I started working around town, um, but I did mostly nights. I did like parties and nights. I didn't have my own show. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, you were the hostess with the most. I was the hostess with the mostess. I was a good time Sally. And in New York City is probably one of the only cities that you, that, that is a job description. Right. Nightlife hostess. Right. Uh, I show up to parties. show up to parties. I look great. Uh-huh. I drink as much as I want. I... More than anyone hang should. Hang around and... Get paid. Enhance the party Enhance atmosphere. the party atmosphere and, and get paid. So that's what I was into. Um, doing mostly before uh, Johnny, you know, scooped sw- you up. Hooked me up. Scooped yeah. me up. And Johnny was the one that, that led me to uh, really right, push me to Johnny jo- was develop. a huge party promoter in yeah. New York and had, had some giant of the most parties. popular parties. So and we worked you were at those always too. I was always at working those. at those. Right. And um, he was the one that sort of pushed me to uh, develop my drag character and uh, really championed me doing music. Right. And then we were, I was, I was, I started producing a lot of music for Johnny because he had already released one album and then a second album I produced pretty much the entire thing, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, you, that was when I met you and w- and then he had... Yeah, we just started producing tons of music. He got his he got this gig where he was like producing a new song every week for a, for a night at a club. Yeah. And um so we were like in the studio every every week we were in the studio producing a new song to perform on that Sunday. Uh-huh. And it was wild times, yeah, man. And and so we did <laughs> what like 12 uh, uh-huh. probably like 12 different songs mm-hmm. and um and then you know it always just continued. We used to have he used to have really popular podcast that we would be on and we were always doing music for that we gay were always pimpin, doing music gay pimpin, gay pimpin with Johnny, Johnny McGovern mm-hmm. um so there was always I mean Johnny was a big um force in both of our lives of still. like yeah and still with Hey Queen my most my most streamed song with probably 60 million streams would be the Hey Queen theme song for his <laughs> show um but um yeah, so so that was that's kind of we came together and we've just been working together ever since. I produced your first single, My Pumps. Yep. Um and all those songs. And all the songs on that EP. Yeah, and your whole EP. Um and every song that I've done. And every other song <laughs> that you've done. Don't you ever work with another <laughs> producer. I You're not going anywhere. <laughs> I have no plans. Oh, I thought I turned my phone off. Sorry, guys. Um Dang it and, and shit. it is off, which is weird. But um, uh, yeah, so so we we just kind of like have been working together ever since. And then um, I moved to Europe because I had to get out of New York after the recession of two thousand nine mm-hmm. because I was literally asked out with no money, no apartment. Um, it was a series of very unfortunate events. <laughs> Lemony Snicket and style. Then, yes. And, um, <laughs> and well, I mean, I actually found another apartment. I did live in Jersey for a while. You did, but that for like was four like, years. Felt, you might as well have been living. But I was gone. In I was gone Siberia. so much. I was gone. I was. That's when I started going to Europe so much, and I was like literally hardly ever in New York anyway mm-hmm. for like four years. I just kept going to Europe as much as I could because I was working there. I was gigging there, and I I wanted to perform. So I said, you know what? If I got to go to another country to do it, so be it. So be it. And um, so you moved. And then I finally moved because I was always there. And I was like, why am I in New York anymore? 
And then I lived in uh, Warsaw, Poland for a couple years with one of my really good friends, Nick Sinkler, who is an American singer who moved over there. Um, he used to sing backgrounds for me at XS when I had my first show. And then he moved over there shortly thereafter. And, um, and he's done really well there as a performer. And so we, I moved, I moved over there. We lived together for a couple years and, um, you know, I did oh, so many gigs while I was there, while I was living there, um, performing every week in a different town, just craziness all over Europe, really. And I still go. Sounds fun. It, it was fun. And I still go over there, you know, once or twice a year for a couple months at a time and do do a tour, you know, because I have a lot of I, I have a lot year. of con contacts from when I was doing that. Coronavirus. Not this year. <laughs> Not this year. Um, maybe this summer. Who knows? I don't want to talk about that. Do you want to um, talk about the coronavirus? I don't want to talk about. We know it's happening, everyone. We're not we ignoring know it's it. Happening. But we had the idea to do this podcast this a while podcast ago. Is not about the and, coronavirus, uh, it's not about the coronavirus. <laughs> so it yeah. sucks. It's happening. We know. Yeah, but more time for us to podcast, <laughs> exactly. and more time for you to listen. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, so yeah, I did. I did Europe, um, and then I just got kind of like sick of not speaking the language of the place that I lived in all the time. And I felt like I was kind of just going around in circles, doing gigs at the same clubs over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I wanted more, Erica. I wanted you more. Wanted more. You wanted more. I, I wanted just more wanted for life. More. More? I'll give them I'll more. I'll give them more. Um, <laughs> so, so then I was like, I have a, I've got a great idea. I'm going to move to Los Angeles. Mm. And turns out that was not the best idea. Guys. Nope. It Me was neither. not the best idea. Um, I moved to Los Angeles. I started, I was on Hey Queen for a season, for a couple seasons. Couple seasons. For a couple seasons with Johnny. Um, and, you know, that was fun, but that was literally the only thing I was doing there. Yeah. I was trying to get into the songwriting scene. And maybe write a hit song for some big pop star. But you know what? Turns out it's a pretty hard scene to get into. <laughs> <laughs> no. You cannot. It seems like it would be so I mean, easy. For some reason, <laughs> they did. people were not beating down my door for me to write songs what? for them. No. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. So, um, so that didn't really happen. Um, I had I actually had, had, uh, had, had a publishing deal in New York City where I was trying to write for I was working for a publishing company and they were trying to pitch my songs to like big artists and stuff. Uh -huh. Nothing ever happened. Uh, I I never got a big cut with with any big artists. Um but um wrote a lot of songs and it was really good practice for um you know being a professional songwriter, which I am and which I am Are you? Yeah, I am. <laughs> And I'm actually I'm actually working as a professional songwriter now, writing all the no. time. Yeah, writing all the time and getting paid the for my hell songs, you say. which is great. That is great. Yeah, instead of just writing tons of songs and not getting paid for them at all, that's not fun. That's not fun at all. No. So L.A., you know, L.A. was cool. Not, I mean, it wasn't really cool. No, it wasn't cool. But I, I was trying to, you know, I was trying. <laughs> what I would basically what I was trying to do was continue on with my career and thinking that if I move to L.A., something will happen and blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. The only good thing about L.A. was that Johnny lived there. 
Yeah. And that's we, literally the only good thing yeah. that happened there. And then I don't know how you feel, but that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, because the funny thing is a lot of things actually a lot of things actually did start happening for me while I was living in LA. The only thing is they had nothing to do with me living in LA. Uh-huh. I was started produced I, I I produced um a song on a whim while I was actually in uh Prague back in Europe while I was in L- while I was living in LA. I was in Europe, of course. I was in Prague and I produced a song called Linda Evangelista using Aja's voice from RuPaul's Drag Race. And that became a viral hit. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I was honestly, I was shocked because I'd been doing so much, so many songs for so many years and not really like getting any traction mm-hmm. after what I had done like 10 years ago. And then I just did this song literally in like a couple hours and threw it up on SoundCloud and everyone was like, oh my God, this is so great. It was fierce. It was fierce. It, I love it. I you think know, you can give yourself enough credit for that shit. No, I think it's just funny to me because, you know, that was the thing that I wasn't really thinking about. And I, it was just kind of something I did as a joke and, a, and for fun. As a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. But it doesn't make it any less good. Sure. It was, oh. <laughs> sure. Did you hear that, um, everyone? But then, but then, you know, <laughs> after that, I kind of found, uh, I kind of found a new niche for myself, and um, yeah, a good and, one. And uh, since then, you know, I've had a lot of um, several songs that have gone viral. Several many, several many songs <laughs> as a producer, and then you know that that kind of put more attention to me as an artist in general. And so, um, you know, I'm just doing my songs, putting out my songs and, um, uh-huh. you know, and, and, and I'm able to just continue to do music. And it's, you know, that was really my, ever, my only goal in the, in the first place was people are like, what do you want to do? What do you, what's your goal? And I'm like, I want to be able to make music and pay my bills. And so, honestly, I feel like I've and kind now of, you're living your dream. Kind of made it. I mean, I've been living my dream since I was, you know, 22, 23 years old. Well, la di da, Adam Joseph. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Screw you. But you know, I mean, that's the thing. I was never like, I wanna, I wanna be number one on Billboard, and I wanna be on a Grammy. Like, I never really, I never really even wanted to be a pop star. I, I, I never really even realized that in in order to be successful. It, it was equivalent with like being popular. I was always just thinking about like I want to be a singer, I want to be a producer, I want to be a songwriter. Uh-huh. I don't want to. The fame was not what I was after at all, you know. Hmm. And it's you know it's still not an overwhelming fame, but it's a small fame. It's a small <laughs> fame. Well, girl, um, my journey from New York to L.A. and L.A. to here is. Uh, it didn't Very, have much to do with arts. No, it didn't have much to do with arts. But the thing is, we have a whole episode about that coming up next. And it's a very deep and long story, which I would like to very much get into. But I think we're gonna just going to have to save it for next time. Yeah. Because uh, oh, we'll there's a lot. It. It's very deep. Um, there'll be I many, myself... There'll be many an episode for us to dive deep into these subjects of yes, our lives. Um, because mine is filled with personal turmoil... Um, the drama and of it lots all. Lots of drama, uh, and I don't want to shortchange any of it. And who doesn't love a little drama? I love a lot of drama. <laughs> so you're gonna get it when I start getting into uh, 
it. It. <laughs> All of it. Of it. Dorlink. Dorlink. Yes. Oh, who is she? who is she? But, but, but who, who is she? <laughs> so what's this segment about? Well, <laughs> <laughs> way to ask well, yourself the question and answer it. <laughs> well, well, um, who is she? Who is she? I think part of this doing this podcast, we really wanted to. Um, there's so many independent artists out there that um, I think people should be aware of. And I know that I'm guilty of maybe not um, searching them out as much as I should because it can be very inspiring to be to see other people who are not, who are out of the mainstream mm-hmm. um, and very like, and le- allow yourself to be influenced by something other than what you're being fed by, right. you know, mainstream yeah. media and like pop culture. like kind of Which is what right most now. people do. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was really, it was cool to not do that it was. when we were coming up. Yeah. But it is not cool when anymore. selling out used to not be cool. Yeah. And now, but now it's like, it is cool. cool. <laughs> it, so, the more popular and rich you are, the cooler you are. Which is makes me kind of want to vomit, but that's the yeah. way things are. That's but just the way that, it is. It's just the way it is. Some things will, some things will change. change. <laughs> some things will change. All things will always change. Yeah. Yeah, that makes more sense. Anyway, so going, you know, going forward, I think this we would we want to do with this segment is to find somebody like that isn't necessarily mainstream and discuss their work mm-hmm. in this, and that's what we're gonna do. But this first version episode episode on this episode on, we will be on today on today on today. Uh, we're gonna discuss. We're gonna just. What are we gonna? We're gonna, we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about um, the artists that influenced us uh, in our formative years. Yeah. Right. These probably won't be so much indie artists. No. Because well, I wasn't. Mine are some. Or some yours of won't them. be. Mine I think won't mine be. will be. Yeah. I was a little bit more mainstream. Yeah. <clears throat> but but um, just like let's we're not, gonna talk for this about first one, our formative artists, yes, formative artists that made us into the artists that we are today. Yeah. Do you want to go first? You want me to go first? Um. Well, as I told you before, <laughs> <laughs> the first album I ever bought was MC Hammer. Can't touch this. Very good album. You got to pray just to make it today. You got to pray. Pray. pray oh god pray. pray um you got to pray just to make it today <laughs> it's a good chorus when you can't stop singing it that's for sure for sure um so yeah mc hammer i was always into um black people i don't know <laughs> I don't know if that's bad. If that sounds bad to say, but it's true. I'm so into black people right I'm now. I'm so into black people. People of color. All the Adam time. Joseph. All the time. <laughs> you can't say black people anymore. You can. Most um, people use. Well, I'm white. Say people so. of color. Okay. 
But that uh, people of color is an all-encompassing. People term. of color is like a new thing, though. It's a new thing and like kind of an all-encompassing term. Yeah. But if you're talking about, I'm talking about black people, people of African I'm not descent. Talking about anybody yes. else. So you can say black people if you're talking um, specifically with people. Um, but you know, I mean, I actually, you know, I I grew up in the school in performing arts school that I was going to. It was like sixty percent black, forty percent white. Mm-hmm. So um, I kind of that was like. I was into that, you know, when it came to listening to music and stuff like that, what we would play at parties and stuff. R&B and rap. It's all R&B and rap. We were not listening to white people sing at all. Oh, girl, unless we were in, be more different. Unless me. we were in, you know, <laughs> choir or something. There was, there was a point when I was like 14 that I really got into Alanis because what, <laughs> <laughs> what young Alanis gay boy, <laughs> what young gay boy. <laughs> Did not love Alanis Morissette. I mean, and sure, and I really liked I'll it because <laughs> because I was like a super high belter, and I would I would belt along with her and do like the yodels. Mm-hmm. So I was really into that. <laughs> I mean, it's so true. I was so into Jagged Little Pill. It was not even funny. I I loved that album as well. <laughs> and and I was actually I kind of got more eclectic, I guess, as I got as I got older. Because I was also really into the Jewel album. That was a great album. It was too. a really good album. It's, if you give it a re-listen, I've I've listened to some of the songs recently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's shocking that that stuff was on the radio. That it was mainstream. That it was mainstream. It's shocking. So many, the so many artists in the from mid then. to late nineties. Like things the that were range, hits. Even the the one hit wonders. The range of the top forty hits is insane it's staggering the 90s the yeah then the range of what was on considered mainstream music yeah in the 90s was crazy it narrowed in the 2000s and now it's like basically and there's no range the whatsoever yeah. unfortunately yeah we're old but I it's don't true care. it's true <laughs> um all the genres have kind of come into homogenize themselves into this one kind of sound which is weird but good for them. Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, but, but um, hip hop and R and B. It was all about hip hop and R and B for for the longest time. And like, I feel like I kind of learned to sing from Lauren Hill, the Miseducation of Lauren Hill. You've told me that that you've I've heard That's, you teaching uh, your thing, your classes online, and telling people that that is a good place to start yeah. to learn if you want to um, learn how to sing, how to riff runs, riffs, you know. They're all there, and if and that's because her runs are explain why because her runs are circular. Is that what you were saying? No, no, I don't know if I said they're circular because they I don't even really they start and end in this like the same place, right? Mm, Did I say that? Yeah, you were telling you were talking about it one time. I don't remember. I don't know, but I mean, she was just. But you do think that that the way she was singing that the good person to imitate for people who are beginning to try if, to sing yeah, like if that. you're trying to sing like that like just try to do those runs and if you can get those down then you can you know do something more do, complicated yeah. like a whitney or a faith hill or something yeah like that. Faith but that's the thing like Sorry, whitney faith never hill. really like ran that much on her recordings she would do she it, did live. it live she would always do it live and that's why i love whitney because she would never sing the same this same song the same or shaka khan Shaka Khan's not really a riffer. She's Live? more of like a she's oh more God. of like a screamer. <laughs> but 
I love that too. She never sings the words to any of her songs. She live. never <laughs> sings the same song twice. Like she doesn't sing it the same live. But I mean, Whitney will give you like all kinds of church runs mm. live that she will not do on the recording. You know, unless we're talking about the preacher's wife soundtrack, when right. that's a different story. But Lauren was giving you like all the runs all the time on every song. You know, and that was just kind of like right at my peak like 15 16 years old when you know the music that when re- when music really starts to hit you hard uh-huh. you know what i mean and um so yeah lauren hill and then erica badu pretty much like just completely turned me out her live album was what made me want to like write songs and be a recording artist and I basically wanted to be Erica Badu. I see that. You can hear it. Yeah. In the stuff that you made. Yeah. For sure. So that was, you know, that was what I was really into. And that's why I was so into live music, live bands, uh, live instrumentation. Um, you know, my whole my whole first album is mostly live instruments, not, you know, not, not synthesizers, which was really popular at the time. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, you know, you you hardly hear a live instrument on a pop song anymore here and there, but not as much. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, so that and then and then it was like after that, getting into like I never used to listen to dance music. I never used to listen to house music. I never really used to listen to like when the when the top 40 started getting really like poppy mm-hmm. i was i was not interested in that at all spice girls in sync all that yeah. stuff i hated that i was already yeah i was very much into alternative everything at that time mm-hmm. i was just into like you know put it on the hip hop station cuz we we always thought that in in high school we that music was like super cheesy to us it was not cool at all I let's see if we're gonna start talking musical inspirations. Uh, like, I think um, musical influences. My first album. Where, who that were you I hanging ever, out with that you were listening to all these white girls? White girl. I'm from New Hampshire. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> there were maybe five other black families in New Hampshire. And uh, my dad was, I don't even know. Because you are of mixed race. I am of mixed race. Um, Your dad's My dad is a person of color. (laughs) Yes, is a person of color, was a person of color. Um, And And your mom's a white folk singer. Yes. Um, But I did not grow up with my mother. I grew up with my dad in a white place. What did your dad listen to? My dad didn't only listen to the radio. Just That's like whatever thing. was on. Just what? No, like, um, like Delilah. What was that? Like easy, like adult contemporary. Hey there, Delilah. No, 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 no. Like, <laughs> the, like the, the DJ song? Delilah. Do you remember like Delilah? She had like this. She had a show that was all adult contemporary, oh. and she would take requests. Uh, okay. Her name was Delilah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And anyway, like stuff like that. Yeah. But and also, disco. But he liked disco. There was music in the house, um, but nothing like 
nothing that I can remember like really influencing yeah. me any one way or the other. What happened, this is what the, the first kind of music that I sought out on my own. When I was 12 years old, I um, did this exchange. I was in Boy Scouts, P.S. So we did this Boy Sister City exchange with Portsmouth, New Hampshire and Portsmouth, England. So we got to go to Portsmouth, England. Hello. Meet- Hello, Erica. <laughs> um, so we got to meet, I got to meet these um, scouts. There's no Boy Scouts, it's just scouts. So it's boys and girls. And they were all varying ages. None of them were as young as me, they were all like 13 to 16. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was all girls and um, some older boys. Um, And teenagers are very different there Mm -hmm. than they are in America. They're all drinking and stuff. Yeah, these kids were going out to nightclubs. Partying. Partying. Um, And I was 12 from pretty sheltered life. They're like, take a shot, I didn't go out partying with them, but... They were, it was the, it was peak rave time. Mm. This was peak rave time. So, um, yeah, I miss the rave. This was, no, this was like the beginning. It was peak rave time there, the beginning of rave time uh-huh. in America. The, so they the were deep in the thick 90s. of, yeah, they were deep in the thick of rave shit. Mm. Um, and they were, that's what they were all listening to. So I got, they had this, I got this compilation. One of them had this compilation called Rave Till Dawn. <laughs> yeah the rave compilation cd the compilation cds oh, it God. was called rave till dawn and there was like there's like 15 volumes of rave till dawn mm-hmm. um and i became obsessed yeah so good yeah i love that shit um <laughs> i really do i love that shit um there's one song called injected with a poison have i ever played that for you mm-hmm. so fucking good i don't know can, um, it's so good. There's one called "Can You Feel It?" Can you feel the passion? Have I ever played that one by Blue Pearl? Don't you realize? I played it for you when we were starting making my music, okay. and I was like, I want something that sounds like <laughs> something this. like this. Every time you feel it, no, the only time you feel it is when you're playing with knives. Oh, so good. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, so that was my first thing that I like sought out. I got like every one of those things. I bl- mm. I blew out the speakers in my living room when you were we, twelve. When I was twelve, I had these because um, my dad grew up during disco and didn't like the beats didn't really the hard beats didn't really bother him mm-hmm. because my my brothers had their own DJ business in the seventies and eighties, and so our our ba- basement was full of music that I was never allowed to listen to because I wasn't allowed to touch the record player. <laughs> <laughs> there like, were like ten thousand for you to there play were like with. ten thousand albums in our basement, mm. and I never heard a single one of them. Wow, so crazy, right? But anyway, we had a, a CD player. Um, no, I had a tape. I was the, the first time that I got was on tape, mm. and uh, we had a tape deck in the living room, and they had these giant speakers, huge speakers from the seventies in our living room, and they were pretty good. But um, after about a year of playing that shit on them, they were completely blown. Wow. Um, kind of sad but anyway that was the first shit that i actually sought out i think the first cd that i was actually allowed to buy was like sade no need to ask she's a smooth operator no this was when um it was not old sade it was 90s sade after her, her like comeback sade mm-hmm. love deluxe mm-hmm. this was um this is no ordinary love no ordinary love. Uh, 
so oh, good. Yeah, it's so good. If you don't like Sade, I think go get a, get out of here. I think that you might be dead inside. Yeah, like actually clinically dead inside. Yeah, that shit is moving. Anyway, that was the first. <laughs> and, and my shit is um, my influences are all over the place. After when like in my adolescence, yeah. I started listening to ang- I loved an angsty lady. I loved Tori Amos, mm-hmm. um, Liz Fair. Uh, who else? Uh, PJ Harvey, mm-hmm. um, Sinead O'Connor. Uh, who else was I listening to? I mean, there has to be more, but you get the gist. Oh, Ani DeFranco. Mm-hmm. I actually been listening to a lot of Ani DeFranco again. Yeah, recently. Yeah, I I actually listened to Ani DeFranco too because uh, when I was in high school, because I started hanging around with like some like lesbians and they were really into it yeah i mean it's just and, true and i was like it's oh, just this true. is kind of cool i was like <laughs> i can get into this you know um i actually got my 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 musical taste got got, got a lot wider I, mean, I think i think in my it was my last my senior year of high school because that's when i moved back from grand cayman to cincinnati and i started i got like i had my first boyfriend and um, I was just like, you know, doing, running around, doing all kinds of stuff I shouldn't have been doing. And we would drive around. We started listening to Madonna. We had Madonna's Immaculate Collection. Mm. And that's when I got, I got kind of more into like the gayness of it all. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I came out when I was 14, but I, I didn't really when I get into like the gay cultural aspect of it until a little later i guess other than doing musical theater uh-huh um but yeah i got into bjork i got into madonna i got into um God, i was way I into got, bjork I, I got into uh so hard to like some older stuff um eartha kit uh, Marlena Dietrich, we used to mm-hmm. listen to her, like, like just like random. They were really into. They were kind of into these. The couple of my friends are very into like the forties, like decadent era, and um, I got so, really into Bjork and um, uh, what was I gonna say? I forget. But like Bjork and like the electronic. I got into more like electronic nine inch stuff. Nails. Yeah, like Nine Inch Nails, uh-huh. Bjork, and um, who else was there? Like in that sort of vein in the 90s yeah i don't Um, know but yeah i got into i was really hard into bjork Mm. but i also and delight oh i I see i got into delight delight i got into delight delight was huge chicago when i went to chicago and we were huge we were doing ecstasy when i was like 16 years old and we were with this big old queen who was like do you guys have any house music and i was like what's that <laughs> i was like what do you mean house music he's like well like you know like delight like do you have any delight and i was like who's that and she's, like, he, she's like oh no honey we need some delight and i was like okay and then he like put it on i'm like oh this is cool this is cool and then like after that i really got into it oh my god so formative yeah i mean it's it's it stands up to this day i mean it's it's, it's revolutionary so yeah. it's all it's all still sounds just as new yeah. and fresh and relevant as the day that it was recorded and then i ended up with lady miss gear sitting on my couch in the east village i know crazy years right? later mm-hmm. craziness um so so yeah i mean i hope that gives you a little perspective into the type of music that we like to listen to and um i'm sure we'll 
I mean, in the coming episodes, we'll be we'll be highlighting some different artists, different artists like to musical share artists. with you, musical artists, and, but also artists. like visual artists too. Because I was very influenced by, I mean, for me, it was fashion because '90s were also the era of the supermodel, mm-hmm. and uh, so that was like a one of the big huge. And fashion like, and music really came together at that time. Well, to it be came quite in, controversial. Yes, they would come together. It was like a. We can talk about. We can get into yeah. that later. But yeah, um, actually, Diana Vreeland, Vreeland was the first one to really marry uh, music and fashion and art and all of that stuff in Harper's Bazaar. Anyway, we can talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. What have you done for you lately? What have you done for you lately? But what have you done for you lately? What have you done? I I know what you've done for you. I know what you. But what have you done for you lately? That is the question. That is the fucking question. Especially as independent artists, you have to. It's very. I find it extremely difficult to motivate. It's the key. Achieve. It's the key. It's the key. So I would like to use. Sets. I agree. Oh, I okay. Would, oh, okay, girl. <laughs> I would like to use this section as a journal of sorts. Of shorts? Of shorts. I would like to use this as a journal of shorts. It's like a raspberries. A journal of sorts, like a dream board, something to be accountable to for um, <clears throat> achieving goals related to. Uh, my art and Relating I think Relating to stepping your pussy pu- up. Yes I want to step my I need to step my pussy up in many ways We'll get into the many hang ups That I have about stepping my pussy up mm-hmm. um, You know In the podcasts to come And there are many uh, One of my failings Is that I am Very much technologically illiterate I have a phobia Of um Technophobia. Uh, I am I am technophobic. Uh I have a phobia of um I have social commu- media. Yeah, phobia. social media phobia. I have communication anxiety. Um hardcore. It makes it very difficult for me to accomplish anything online because uh it just makes me it, it gets me in an anxiety spiral. It works your nerves. It works my nerves. Um and it's real. So uh, I, I think have, this is I about, sometimes have a hard time understanding and accepting that phobia. Yes, you do. You so really do. I've so gotta, I've got to work on that too. Yes, you do. You need to work on it because it's. I'm. I the fact that I recognize it as for what it is. Because for years I was just like, this is just the way I am. You know, like it's whatever. There's reasons for it. And I'm think, and I'm I am doing the work. I'm doing the inner work, Adam Joseph. So I need your support. So it makes you feel anxious. It makes you feel anxious. 
extremely anxious on a picture to on com- Instagram. Yes, that is that is also what this is going to this portion is going to be about setting small achievable goals. You know what though? I wish more people were a little bit more apprehensive about what they comment on Instagram. <laughs> Because a lot of people are just out there slinging crap around that they ain't got no, no. right saying. Talking about, I mean, let's talk about some YouTube comments, okay? Oh, girl, I know. Girl. But the way that you get people to notice, you know, to see you online, to like up your, step your pussy up is commenting on other people's shit. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's is something the way I our, have. Our, it's the way people communicate nowadays. I rarely do. I've done it maybe, I could count the times that I've commented on something on any form of social media, probably on both hands. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I do comment, it's generally an emoji, a kiss emoji, Mm -hmm. or a heart emoji. See, to me though, social media is still kind of like a big joke. So it's still kind of like a big joke to me. Like I don't really take much, much of the stuff I don't get serious on social media usually. Uh-huh. You know? So it's always kind of very lighthearted. And that's why it's not a big deal to me. It's like I'm not going to go into like something serious and like, mm-hmm. you know, rile your emotions or whatever with okay. a comment or something. This is this is part of your journey to understanding. Right. Anxiety, I'm going to repeat this often. <laughs> and as I do to you in our personal life, right. anxieties are not rational. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. So I know sh- all of I'm those just talking things. about like the way I approach social media is yes. like, is like, you know, oh, hey, or, or just, it's all got to be just like super positive and like fun and funny and not funny at other people's expense because. See, there's rules. You know, this is what gets me there anxiety. Are, there are rules if you this, don't want to get makes in me a anxious. fight with somebody. Yes. You know, this is where my anxiety comes from. So, but. Yeah, I am. I am committing to you and to whoever listens to this podcast that I will take steps. Mm-hmm. So that my one of my uh, I have I think I have a few small achievable goals for this week. Since we are homebound, we have coronavirus. Coronavirus. Oh we God. have um, yes, and that is giving me anxiety. Oh, but since too. we are homebound, uh, I. We have to, time to have more goals. So I think a week, this week, uh, one goal a week as far as technology and the internet goes is all like is enough for me. One small achievable goal. Mm-hmm. And I think my goal for this week should be to comment on people that I follow's posts. Yeah, why not? It's making me want to throw up. <laughs> Just thinking about it, you can see it on my oh. face. It's making it's making me. Um, I can feel it coming. It's really deep and it's very serious. And Does it's it been make a huge you part of just to like a life. picture? Yeah, I've only recently begun liking things. Wow. Um, I have. I'm pretty comfortable. Um, that's only in the past month that I've begun liking things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting very much. I'm getting more comfortable with liking things. Um. But uh, commenting is not something that I'm comfortable with at all. So I'm going to push myself out of my comfort zone, even though I feel like I'm going to hurl just thinking I feel about like, it. I feel like my most go-to comment is probably just, yes, but yeah. that's just me. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's easy. 
you know, I mean, that's the thing. Like I used to be, I used to be probably what you would call an oversharer on social media. I used to be, vi- I feel like that's not a thing. I, mm, I feel like it's not a thing these days. I used to be, I used to, <laughs> I used to be, what does that mean? Explain. I used to post on Facebook a lot and I used to talk about what? Just talking about stupid stuff that I'm doing and like unnecessary things. And now that I look back, if I look back at my post now, I'm like, gosh, that's kind of embarrassing. Like I was like really just really? doing but isn't that what too the, much. Isn't you know that what, I mean? what the internet is about these days? Mm, I think there's a etiquette about and a, sharing a, every ass. Isn't that what we're doing here? <laughs> well, this is a podcast and if people want to listen to it, that's their choice. But when you're but, looking at Facebook, you know, and you're, you know, you, you have to, you have to keep in mind that what you're saying, what basically what I was posting was maybe something I could have sent to a friend, you know, sent to a close friend Look at this, whatever, blah, blah. Instead of posting it on my Facebook where it's everybody that I've ever met is seeing that. Mm. You know what I mean? Okay. And now, really, all uh, all I use, I kind of pulled back. And all I really use my Facebook for now is promotion of my music. P.S. You talking about your regrets (laughs) about things that you posted on social media is not helping my anxiety. (laughs) Well, thanks very much. Uh, sorry, but <laughs> I think that I think that um, it's doing it. But I mean, I, I you would never, you would never have posted as much stuff as I did. You know, like you would never even. Get I've close never, to I've that. never posted anything. But I think that's an achievable goal for me. So that's my goal. Right. So you're gonna also, comment on some yes, people's I'm gonna, pictures. I'm gonna on people's pictures. I also do um, a couple retweets. Yeah. Do you oh, go on. I mean, you like never. I've you never, liked the status that I posted on Twitter about recording this podcast that actually and retweeted true story that's my first retweet wow wow the very first retweet well good for you so i'm making progress already uh but i need to make more but i think commenting and yes commenting retweeting yeah but a lot of people you know they love to joke around on social media they love to like say funny stuff to each other and honestly, my mom's on Facebook, my my family's on Facebook, my aunts and uncles, like, and I know that when I go and comment something, comment on something, it'll probably pop up in their feed. And that's what I think about every time. And I'm just like, no, that's what Twitter's for. And that and Instagram, because none of my family is really like Same. looking around on Instagram. So I can joke around more there, but like on Facebook, I'm just like, I'm just gonna keep it like straight up. You know, Facebook. There's some. There's a lot of things girl. that I need uh, questions I have and things I need to do about Facebook. But we'll talk about that another yeah. time. So social media liking, commenting. Mm-hmm. I also I my wardrobe was decimated in the move. Um, well, you gave by it choice. All away. <laughs> you gave it all away by choice. We'll get into why that happened on the next episode. Um, but I do need to replenish my wardrobe because uh, the sun will come out. Not tomorrow, but maybe in a couple months. Fingers crossed. So you mean the I need virus to have. Will die? Yes. The Corona virus will die in August. Ooh. Ooh. Yikes. So real. So real. Too real. Um, but I do need to. Um, oh, I guess I should say what my 
overlap like my goal for this year was before this any of this craziness started i made a goal for myself Mm -hmm. because uh which was to by the end of 2020 be able to go back to performing full-time um transition out of my day job and uh be able to make money performing and build up my online profile so that i can you know sell myself online whatever that may be music not my pussy only fans not my pussy but like um not only fans, but like, you know, you know what I mean. Uh, sell like, I don't know, merch or music or whatever. So mm-hmm. I can make money, make money mm-hmm. um, without a day job. That's right. my overruling goal. So in in service of that goal, I think uh, I really ought to be, I need to push myself to make things. Sometimes it's been take way too long making outfits. Um, so I think one a week is my goal. Yeah. I need to make an outfit a week. Yeah. And I have all of it. I have my, my, the entirety of my bed. I've seen under my bed. Mm-hmm. It's packed with stuff. I've been accumulating all this material. Mm-hmm. And I haven't made anything out of it. Right. So I definitely have enough material to make, I mean, probably yeah. 20, 25 outfits. Yeah. So just need to do that once a week. One outfit a week. One outfit a week. That's the thing. You have to say it so then you can be held accountable for exactly. it. Um, what about you? Well, it's funny because you're talking about like, you know, now you're not working be, and you're staying home all the time. Yeah. But for me, <laughs> that's what your life this is my reality yeah. every day. So it's really other than the fact that I feel like I'm kind of trapped in my house and I can't go anywhere in public, which is kind of weird. But I have, you know, every day during the week, basically I have time to do whatever I want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do work. I do have to work because I do have to make money. And, you know, usually I'm DJing. I have a regular DJ gig on Friday. I DJ like every other Sunday. So I'm like my, my weekends are a little bit more, I mean, but it's Structured. at night. So I still yeah. have like Friday all day, mm-hmm. you know, but right now that's not happening. Um, but at the same time, when you're self-employed as an independent artist, you, Structure and scheduling and uh, making yourself work is really one of the biggest parts of it. Because if you don't, I mean, sure, could I just sit around and like nap and watch TV all day? Of course. <laughs> yes, because that's but, what those things are wonderful. <laughs> but I don't, you know, because like I've got work to do. Uh-huh. And, 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 and that's the thing. It's great I've is that I do work have work to, to do. do. Because that's when when I don't have things to do is when it gets really bad and like I get super depressed and um, I'm good at getting things done. But sometimes as an independent artist, you don't have enough things to get done to fill your schedule. And so um, right now I'm glad that I have a lot of, I I always have something to get done. Yes. And um, so right now I've been, you know, I've been, um, working out a lot and that's kind of part of my goal to continue to work out even though I it keeps you the, sane I the endorphins the have gym. very positive effects yeah. on your mental health so so, so keeping so, active is actually a huge important part yeah. of staying this, sane this was actually our first day of quarantine in our house mm-hmm. and um so you know we started off with a nice walk i mean we're not like trapped in our house we can go outside we just can't go around people so we went out for a nice walk for about 45 minutes and then um, I did like some I did some exercise you know in the living room 
And that's like, honestly, that's like a big part of my schedule because usually I get to go to the gym and get out of the house and Uh that gets my day started. I get my shower, I get, you know, I get ready and then I come home, I eat my lunch and then I can like work on stuff and get stuff done. Um, but that's kind of messing it all up since I just have to stay at home all the time. Mm-hmm. But working and I'm out, here too. Yeah, and you're here. <laughs> I don't have any privacy, but that's fine. Um, but wor- working out, and you know, now I'm now I'm working for this company where I write uh, I write songs for uh, this. I, it's a royalty free music company, and I write songs for them and basically sell them songs. Song Factory. Yeah, I'm just doing Adam as Joseph many songs song as Factory. I can. It's very impressive, y'all. Um, and I, uh, so, bangs them out. so I just have to, you know, I try to write a song in like a couple hours. I try not to take too long with it. Just pop it out. And then maybe the next day I'll go and look at it again and just make sure it's good. And then, you know, send it off and make my flex coin. Them, flex them creative muscles. Um, yeah. Because that's, you know, a lot of songwriters that I know are very precious with their work. I'm Precious. Like, I'm like, Interesting girl, I'm like girl, like, you know, this is my art and blah, blah, blah. I've Ugh. never been like that. You know, I'm like. What do you mean? Like, I've never been like that. Like, this is, I I have to, you know, get into my emotions and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? write the song, this... girl. Oh, well, like, you're talking, it using this as done. like an exercise, as like right. flexing the yeah. muscles If you're a songwriter, you should be able to sit down and write a song. And, you yes. know what I mean? That's just the, how it comes. That's just what it, what it, what it is. The business you were talking People, about. The business yeah, talking and about, the skill set. Right, talking about like, you know, well, I can't, I can't write right now, and it's like, why not? Like, if you're a juggler, you can't just not juggle one day. Like, you need to be able to do it at any time. That's what the best songwriters do. I feel like I agree with that. It's true. It's true. Like they go in, they get the job done, they write you a good song, and that's it. You know. And so I'm trying to so write every day. So you view songwriting as something that you can, you like can, a muscle that you can build. You should be able to do it, yeah. You should be able to, to the more you do it, the easier it gets. Mm. Well, that's true with pretty much everything. Right, but it's, you know, and that's the thing. Like, a, a lot of artists want to come out with one song every three years. And it's like, it's more of a hobby at that point. You know Ooh, what I mean? bitch. I'm just saying, <laughs> it's more of a hobby. Oh, you can't go. You can't go. You can't make a. You, I told you, you it's gonna be real. You can't make a living, you know, at anything doing one doing one one job every three years. That is very true. You know, you're you're it's a hairstylist, a and you point. do you do you do you know what? You do that, one I day of work. One day of work, you know, once a year. Are you really like a hairstylist? Maybe if you're getting or paid a hundred thousand dollars for spare time. Yeah, or you just do hair. In, in your, your spare, spare time. time as a hobby. And that's fine. You know? But don't don't sit around and wonder why why am I not successful? Why am I not, you know, making money off this if you're not putting all the time into it that you need to, like a full time job, you know? Exactly. And there's one of the dichotomies that we're gonna be yeah, delving into that's one of in the later episodes. That we're really gonna talk about. But basically, I'm trying to dedicate two hours to fitness, dedicate two hours to writing songs. And, um, and then I've just got, you know, I've got other things that I have to do. Remixes for people, random, you know, random tracks that I got to make for drag race stuff or things that happen in the media to keep my brand going 
of producing songs that people like from pop you, culture. Okay, here's something. You told me, we've talked about this before, and something that came up in our discussions was your brand, upping your brand, brand more visible. Give yourself something that you can, one thing that you can do for in service of that goal. For my brand. For your brand. Because you've talked, you mentioned it a lot. I think it's, it's something, you know, it's something that you I wanted goal, to do. I had a goal um, in 2018 to release at least one song per month to keep my name out there, to keep my YouTube channel, because I was building my YouTube channel. Uh-huh. And um, honestly, I mean, I think I should probably be doing that right now, still. Keep putting out one song a month. It can be hard because sometimes I'm working on all these different songs and they like like with I just released my mm-hmm. new single that I've been working on for the last six months. I wrote six months ago. We were I recorded it. I got some producer to reproduce it. I recorded it and and then I got it mixed and then I get made a music or a lyric video. So it's all a lot of build up to like actually uh-huh. releasing the song. And then I released the Nicki Minaj remix the next day, the Nicki Minaj from Drag Race remix, literally the next day. So there's like two songs right next to each other. Uh-huh. You know, so does that count as two months? No, I guess not. But like, <laughs> you know, it's weird. Like that are you, that usually happens with me. Like uh-huh. I'll release one song and then I'll release another song like two days later. Small attainable goals. But Okay, yeah. I remember something that you mentioned. Uh, cleaning up your Instagram. You said you have, you're sitting on a lot of pictures yeah. that no one's ever seen. Correct. Right. I want to post so, more. Why of, don't you of those things so on my this social week, media? We're doing a social media focus this week. Then. Yeah. Other than my normal goals of like having to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. Um. But yes, I do need to do that. I've but been, that's I've your been that's your overarching goal, right? On, Wouldn't you say that your overarging goal is to up your brand, like to vis- up my brand, brand visibility, to make it look yeah, to make it look, I guess, what you would call more <clears throat> professional. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, just uh, yeah, to up to make my image as high quality as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't you say that yeah. like this week you'll go th- you'll clean up your Instagram and post? Um, yeah, well, I already did go through my Instagram. Oh, you and did clean it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I didn't. Well, know yeah, you no, did like it. because like that's how I do things. When I say that, so when I say I should do something, I usually do it that day or the next day. <laughs> I do, Shit. I do. Well, I do not. Right, so. right. Like I just, I, I, I have a mentality of you're gonna get hit by a bus the next time you walk out of your house, so you better get your shit done now. It's, it can be, you know. I mean, that's literally so how severe. I. That's how I think about things. I, I couldn't. You I better can't finish imagine. this song as soon as possible because if you don't, nobody's ever gonna hear it because you're gonna die before it comes out. Holy crap! Yeah. That's that is the way, very severe. Yeah, but that's the but and it's the like you have to be opposite of the it's way like you that have my to mind be your works. own you have to be your own boss, you know. And I'm working. I'm, there's I'm, always a deadline. Okay, and there's always somebody waiting for you to to do it. Oh my god! Because that's what that you have to I'm treat it like a business. I'm gonna barf. You have to treat it like a business. I'm gonna barf. <laughs> um, but it's just like it's You're just stressing me out. Think about how we put this podcast together. We did well, all this is, the music for the podcast we did that it you all guys today. heard today. We did it all today. You know, mm-hmm. because I want to put this podcast out tomorrow. Yeah, you know, and um, you know, we will edit it's it tomorrow very morning. Very invigorating, 
and we will put it out tomorrow. Yeah. We will get it. I don't even know how to release a podcast, I feel but I'm going to figure it out. We're going to figure the fuck out. I feel invigorated. Do you feel invigorated? It's the most energizing thing that you can possibly do when i when i when you release art into the world it makes you feel so good even if nobody cares yeah at least you know that it's out there i also feel like we're in the groove now that we're we're about to end the show i feel like maybe we started off a little fuzzy it was our first time it was our first time it's my first forgive us i feel like maybe we were a little bit nervous but i feel like we're in the groove now i feel like we're vibing yeah um but I, but, I now wanna, I we, but now it's over. <laughs> I, but I want to close with. Um, but there's going to be more. Say, there's going to be more episodes. So many more. Lots episodes. more episodes. We've already figured out at least. Two, we've already. What do we have? We ten have episodes. concepts for ten episodes. The first season will be ten episodes, and with those will just be us. And then we're going to start calling our um, our good Judies, who are fellow artists, independent artists, and getting their take on um, being an independent artist. And um, you know, this is. I mean, overall, I think this podcast is. I want to start. I want to open a dialogue. I want to yeah, start a dialogue. a dialogue and showing other artists that they're not alone. You know, there's yeah, a lot the of path. Really, is I think winding. we didn't really talk about this that much, but um, you know, in closing, it's like w- you never really listened to podcasts before. You no. started. You started riding in the car with me while we were taking long trips. Uh huh. And, you know, I mean, I listen to RuPaul's podcast. I listen to um, other Drag Race podcasts. I listen to um, mostly Drag Race podcasts because <laughs> I'm a big fan of Drag Race. But, you know, it was it was going it was getting kind of like it was. it's like funny because, you oh know, it's gosh. funny because. It's like all the same people on these podcasts over and over and over again talking about Drag Race and, you know, the guests, judges of Drag Race and a bunch of famous people that are, you know, all doing amazingly and booked for days and making lots of money and, you know... That's great. And, it's very far removed you know, from the reality of most we are, artists' lives. You know, we are... We are artists as well. Does not, you know, the fact that we're not making a million dollars every year on what we're doing does not make our art any less valid or valuable, you know? Um, and I think uh, I'm interested in finding out yeah. and we how talk, other people yeah. negotiate that. Right. We want to talk about how to continue to create art when, you know, maybe people aren't banging your banging down your door to see it but making it for yourself and maybe not making a living off of it but continuing to create yeah and because there's a lot of people whose story that is right as well there's been tons of tons of artists that have had extreme like monetary success at one point in their life and then flat broke at another point in their life you know so it's like you know, there's a huge difference between business and creative art. Yeah. And we're really going to jump, we're really going to dive deep into that concept as well. Yeah, for sure. And also I want to say that I'm interested to hear from who's ever getting into this. If you're listening to this, this, well, let's go ahead and give you our social media links so that you can connect with us and let us know 
what you think. If you have any questions we can address on the show, we'd love I to I would do love that. that. I would um, love it. I'd love you to can find take me questions. on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Joseph Music. You can find Erica Tor uh, at Erica Tor. At Erica Tor. E R I C K A T O U R E. Erica Tor. Erica Tor. Erica Tor. It's not pronounced Erica Tor. No, it's not. E R I C K A T O U R E. Because I have one. (laughs) You have two, actually. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) C-K-A. Hey, governor. (laughs) T-O-U-R-E. That was beautiful. Um, We want to hear from you. Eventually, we'll probably set up like an email for the Just the Podcast that I'll make Erica check daily because I love. I know she loves to check. Oh God, her email. sweating thinking about it. <laughs> or maybe we'll just set up an Instagram account that Erica can have to re-comment on all your comments. Oh shit! Don't be, do and like them. Uh, oh no! She'll have to like and comment <laughs> on every single one. No, but yeah, write us and um, let us know. Just let us know that you're listening if you are, because I mean, who knows. Is anyone out there? Is there anyone out there? <laughs> and if you have any, like, uh, if we touched on something that speaks to you and you have any um, resources that you'd like to point us in the direction of, we would be happy to take them. Yes. Um, and if there's something you want to hear us talk about and don't, um, tell us that as well. And if you want to give us money, <laughs> go ahead because... <laughs> It, coronavirus <laughs> is messing up my gigs. Oh my god! And if you want to send us canned goods, my Venmo <laughs> is at Adam Joseph Music as well. Okay, feel free. Um, yeah. So I think we've got our goals for the week. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna get my Instagram, set my Instagram pussy up. You're gonna like and comment on more than one thing, and make an outfit, and make a look. A Luke. A Luke. Um, so yeah, so we'll we'll let you know how that's going next week and we can, you know, be held accountable for not doing it or or doing we're it. We're doing it. Hopefully doing it, it, right? We're gonna be happy yeah. because we did it. Yeah. We're gonna get into it. We're gonna really live and breathe this process, Adam Joseph. <laughs> 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 Coronavirus! <laughs> oh no! Oh my God. Uh, thanks right, for so listening, guys. Thank you so much for listening. This and, was fun. Um, yeah. We're going to do a bunch more. Yeah, there'll be so much more. So We're going to get really deep and really friend, juicy. Tell a fellow um, artist. I or, might cry. Yeah. <laughs> Erica probably will cry. I probably won't, but she probably will. <laughs> and, um, you know, you can cry along with us. Yeah. So until next time, we will be turning, turning purple. purple.